Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The uh, last long weekend of summer, interestingly enough, called Labor Day, when you consider that Global News headline is there are plenty of jobs out there. Why aren't Canadians filling them? Well, why aren't they? Dan Kelly is the president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, representing small and medium-sized businesses across Canada. You'll find him on Twitter at CFIB, at CFIB. So, Dan, thanks for coming on. We, uh, my friend and I were at uh, dinner uh, Thursday night. We had a choice. Watch the French debate or go out for a nice dinner. So, I've seen dozens of politicians debate one another, and they'll see these two that are coming up. So we went for dinner, and it was a delightful evening, good food, uh, nice people, good restaurant. But they only had two servers. And it was very slow, and they were very apologetic. But they did point out it's extremely difficult for them to find people who will come and work in the restaurant, even though the jobs are there. That's a consistent story, isn't it? It sure is. We're hearing this from coast to coast, uh, business owners telling us that they really, at this stage of the pandemic, now that most businesses are able to be open uh, with some capacity controls, the, they're struggling to get their staff back. And, and it's a big, big problem for so many small firms that are looking to try to, to try to get some money to cover the hundreds of days they lost during the pandemic but now are not able to earn an income because they don't have the people to be able to serve the customers the way the customers uh, are expecting. Is this right across the, uh, the the country, Dan? And does it uh, does it strike the hospitality sector more than others? It does. It is it is a national phenomenon. We're seeing this from coast to coast. Uh, most acute in in some of the western provinces that have been open for longer and, and are open more widely than than say Ontario. Uh, with that, that still has significant capacity restrictions in place, but we are seeing it everywhere. I was just uh, at my son's baseball tournament in uh, in the, just up north of Toronto, and every single place had a help wanted sign. Uh, many of them were apologizing when you walked in because they knew that the waits were going to be much longer than than normal, as was the case for you. Uh, so it's and and the the stress and tension on the business owner because. It is the business owner and his family or her family that is right now trying to fill the gap, uh, and that you know that's that's fine in the short term, but gosh, longer term, this is this is putting some pressures on them. Yeah, you know, when you put this this little sentence together and think about it, or two sentences together and think about them, they really do boggle the mind. In June, there were eight hundred thousand job vacancies nationally, so eight hundred thousand jobs available nationally in June. Unemployment, though, the unemployment rate was still at 7.5%, which was significantly higher than before the COVID-19 pandemic. So we have more jobs available. The unemployment rate is is at 7.5%, which is higher than before COVID-19. So what is driving this? Because let's get at it here. Is yeah. it CERB? Because even now... CERB uh, pays, what, $300 a week pre-tax, which is double what someone earning $15 per hour would earn, earn rather, working $10, uh, 10 hours per week part-time at uh, 15 bucks an hour. But to qualify for CERB, a person is supposed to be available to accept work. What's going on? Is is CERB is at play here? It is. The, the new CRB stream that replaced CERB 
that's through the EI system is paying, as you said, $300 a week. And, and you know, look, many people will say that listening to this show, well, the problem is not the availability of workers, it's the crappy wages that these businesses are paying. And if government assistance is paying more than the wages of the employees him or that, that, that they're earning, well, then simply they should just be raising the wages and the problem will go away. And, and I, I guess I just want to make sure that your listeners understand that this is not, you know, that the, they really have to delve a little bit deeper uh, in, in analyzing this because on a, it, that may be true for full-time workers, but for part-time workers, uh, you can make vastly more sitting at home than you can by working right now. We do see this as a short-term issue that that CRB stream under EI, that flat dollar rate for part-time workers is supposed to disappear now by the end of October. Uh, but gosh, that's a long time to wait. We need to be able to do both. And I guess our point is that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be people that, that are out of work because of COVID should absolutely have support. But if you're making more than you were earning pre-COVID, that's where the problem lies. And I can understand this. If you're a young person, the public health officials are still saying stay at home as much as is possible. You may have been laid off two or three times because of lockdowns. You're making more money. What would push you to go back to work if you're not super self-motivated? And, and I guess this is what many employers are saying right now is that they're calling their employees, asking them to come back. And some of the dedicated few are, but there are many who are just saying, you know what, check in with me in the fall when else am I going to have a summer off to uh, to enjoy myself while, while still getting the same income as I did pre-COVID? Yeah, well, it's not the government's job to underwrite salaries. It's not. And look, we have been, I, I want to be clear here, we have continued to push for extending the COVID support programs, including the wage subsidy, the rent subsidy. And I would add that we at CFIB do see that in certain sectors, certain areas where, where there are lockdowns still in place or restrictions still in place, there are going to be people that are out of work and need that support. We're not asking governments to take that away. What we are saying is make sure that we're smart about this and ensuring that the programs are only going where they're needed and not just distributing cash all over the place. Yeah, well, Dan, some things are really obvious. And that is, if there are health concerns and if there are areas where there is a really significant COVID issue, then yeah, I get it. But this CRB, and I never know what to call these things anymore. There have been so many of them, this alphabet <laughs> soup. But this CRB is supposed to be available to those who cannot work for whatever the reason is. It's not supposed to be there for people who choose not to work. Isn't that the way it's uh, defined? It's absolutely, you're absolutely right. But the challenge, and this is true of the EI system, even in normal times, is that many employers will say that it's so easy to get on EI, including when you quit your job. Yes, there are rules in place that are supposed to guide you back to work, tell you that you're not going to get benefits unless the job is not available, require you to return to your pre-COVID em employment. But those kinds of things are generally just not enforced. And, and so that's one of the challenges we face. But Roy, it's, it's more than that. We've done something pretty harmful to society. Like, and I, I understand these hospitality workers, the many of them have just moved out of that sector altogether because who wants to have a job for a few weeks, then have to go on a government support program, come back because lockdowns are lifted, then be laid off another time. Yeah. So the whipsaw effect that is a, that has affected employers and That's caused true. great stress to them has also in turn created great, great stress and anxiety to the workers in those sectors of the economy. And that's, that's going to take a, a bit of time to undo, I think. Yeah. And we're in the middle of an election campaign. 
So don't expect objectivity from any political party. Dan, before I talk to you about uh, or ask you for your thoughts on what the two largest parties in the election have been saying about job creation, I knew I'd get emails right away to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Well, why don't businesses just raise their minimum wage or raise their wages for their employees and then people will come to work? So over to you. <laughs> well, look, I was uh, <clears throat> presaging this question, Roy, uh, when we spoke earlier. The, the answer is, look, if you think that the average business owner right now is just sitting on a pile of cash, I need you to talk to the person behind the counter in a small or medium-sized business pretty much anywhere across the country, especially those in retail, hospitality, the service sector, hair salons, nail salons. These businesses have been put through the ringer. Uh, many of them closed down uh, with, you know, Ontario having the longest lockdowns in North America. Some of them were closed down, Roy, as you know, for over 400 days, entirely closed down. And so as they reopen, they are absolutely strapped for cash. Now is not the time to just jack up wages. I mean, the business is hanging on by a thread and many of them are just going to, you know, wrap up altogether as we go through the fall. Uh, wages absolutely are part of this. There's no question that raising wages can help you attract more people. But if the business right now is not generating the cash to do that, your option is to just shut the thing down altogether. And are we as a country better off if that were to happen? No, we're not, because small business is a community builder and a community driver. And, and they add so much to our local communities. The contributions they make to every kid's sports team and the local hospital fundraiser, the jobs they create for young people without experience. We have to think about all of those things as we uh, look down our noses sometime when, and think that, gosh, if they just jacked up rages, wages, we'd be, uh, we'd be out of work. I mean, I saw some experiments in BC where we actually have now seniors who are volunteering to try to work in a local restaurants in order to save them because in their community they know that that business owner has been behind the counter uh, or at the at the frying uh, you know work in the frying pan uh, for 72 hours and they need to give them a break so we you know people are coming together to try to help small businesses and and we need to do that. I'm hoping we can get back as many workers to these small firms as possible in the months ahead. Yeah, I hope so too. So let me just run this by you. You're aware of it, but I just want to run it by you anyway and get your thoughts. Justin Trudeau promising a Canada recovery hiring program to be extended to March of next year. And the Liberal government, he says, would deliver $3.2 billion to the provinces to hire 7,500 new doctors, nurses, and nurse practitioners. Is that helpful to small business? And I also wonder where Mr. Trudeau will find 7,500 new doctors, nurses, and nurse practitioners. Uh, and Aaron O'Toole commits to a Canada job surge plan, which would pay up to 50% of the salary of new hires for six months after the current wage subsidy ends. Also says he's ready to deliver loans of up to $200,000 to small and medium-sized businesses in hospitality, retail, and tourism along with temporary rebates for dine-in restaurant meals. Which one works better? You know, there are merits to both of those plans. On the Liberal side, they've had a couple of really good commitments. Uh, one of them is <clears throat> for the tourism sector, they're looking at extending the wage and the rent subsidy, unfortunately only for the tourism sector right now. Uh, but as you noted, they are also extending for all businesses access to that hiring incentive that is already in place 
and that would go until the end of March of next year. So those are two really positives out of the Liberal platform. The Conservatives have the commitment to expand on a loan program that the Liberals put in place during the pandemic, uh, but they're going to, importantly, they're going to raise the maximum up to $200,000. That's a really good move. That program was an ex extremely popular. Up to 25% of those new loans would be forgivable. So the business could keep up to 50000 And as you and I have discussed many times, one of the big things that is that is harming businesses right now is the amount of debt that they're carrying. That conservative platform idea really does help address that. They have their own job surge plan, which is similar to the Liberals hiring incentive. Some businesses benefit more under the conservative idea. Some benefit more under the Liberal proposal. Uh, and we're going to be summarizing all of this for our members and, and pushing it out uh, with uh, obviously letting them make their own decisions as to which candidate they wish to support uh, come uh, September the 20th. Okay, so final question for you. If we have this situation continuing where small businesses can't find the people they require, like their restaurant that uh, we went to dinner to on Thursday night. They can't find the people that they require. And so it puts them under tremendous stress, emotional, financial, otherwise they may be closed. They may be forced to close. So does that not say to the person who's saying, well, I'd rather just not go to work uh, for 15 bucks an hour and, and get my <clears throat> subsidy from, from the government, because if that business closes, the jobs won't be there when the subsidy ends. Roy, I, I, I'm with you, and I, I wish more people thought that way, the way that you and I do, which is that long-term thinking about, hey, I, if I don't take my job now and the company I was working for disappears, am I confident that I'll have another job to go to? Um, I'm hoping that Canadian employees see uh, the, the benefits of them returning to work. I know many are concerned, God, given that there is a pandemic still out there, but gosh, we need to have these, these workers returning to their jobs in large numbers if we want small businesses to survive. And, and that certainly is our plea to get, to get Canadi the Canadian workforce back up and running as quickly as is humanly possible. Okay, about 15 seconds, Dan. Do we still have hundreds of thousands of small businesses in this country in under threat, survival threat? We do. We have um, some new data coming out on this very soon, but the last estimate was 180,000 businesses that we expect to, to go away, to disappear altogether long-term as a result of the damage they've sustained during the pandemic itself. That's not, uh, and, that's not. and some of the collection commitments could make a difference if, if we can get them, if we can get those things happening quick. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.